you have an inquisitive mind? Where do you go for answers? Imagine if the natural world held an answer to every question. Welcome to the Flowerhood Weekly Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Frankfurt. I'm on an orchard growing avocados and there's something going on. The more time I spend in nature, the more I learn about myself. Is it possible that until we connect with nature, we never truly flourish in our relationships, community, businesses or health? Oh boy, this is no ordinary gardening podcast. Join me at my kitchen table for wide and varied conversations with old and new friends from around the world. I'll be asking questions on how they connect with nature, what the research shows us, and look for ways we can incorporate these learnings into our lives. Let's get started. Morena! Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Flowerhood Podcast. Great to have you here. It's filled with like a lot of gratitude knowing that you're there and you're listening. You're part of the Flowerhood community. This week I have a confession mixed with some observations. And the observations are around aligning with your dream. Observations of what happens when you take that step towards connecting with nature. But how about I start with the confession? So every year, sometime around January, though this year actually I've started a bit earlier in December, and some years I kind of get around to it very late in May or June, I create a vision board. And it's this collection of inspiring photos and quotes and written text around how I'd like to see myself going forward in my life. It's about the things that I believe will enhance my life and Bring me joy and happiness. Make me wake up each day giving gratitude, feeling fulfilled and abundant. And some of my images are things that already are going on in my life because I have a lot to be happy about. I've even got pictures of my chickens (laughs) wandering through a kind of rustic looking garden. Well, actually, they're not my chickens. They're out of a a magazine. (laughs) And You'll know this, actually, if you see the picture, because there's these beautiful sort of bunches of sweet peas and creamy gravel paths and kind of cascading herbs forming borders. And it's incredibly chic picture in a rustic kind of way. Whereas the reality, actually, in my life is things are very rustic, very, very rustic. I could actually do with a bit of hipster touch, if you know what I mean, you know, just to kind of make my place a little more finessed in its rusticness. I think about my mum, and she was always putting in this enormous effort, time and attention into her garden. So it flourished. It was like something out of the magazines. It was abundant, a symphony of colour and texture throughout the seasons. Plants carefully placed, very well tended, well watered. (laughs) Yeah, there's a lesson for me there. And as the great Tony Robbins would say, where focus goes, energy flows. And that's so true. The garden would have been probably about 80% of her focus and perhaps at times a little bit more. And so where she put that focus and energy, that's where she got results. My vision board. So it's not about striving for perfection. 
It's about getting closer to yourself, identifying the things that do and will make you happy. And it helps to form the focus for the coming year. Now, my vision boards change over the years. Some things kind of get dropped off because I've sort of achieved them or I've superseded them with other things or they just no longer become that important in my life. And, you know, I think you find that what you want in your 20s isn't necessarily what you want in your 30s or your 40s, your 50s and on and on. So here's my confession. For over 20 years, I've had on my vision board a picture in one form or other of surfing either a woman surfing, and sometimes it's a picture of a couple paddling out to sea. I had this really beautiful one, which was this aerial photo of a couple, and it was this vast blue ocean, and there was this sort of feeling of togetherness and space. I, I loved it. I have these this picture up, but do I surf? No. Have I even tried to surf over the last 20 years? No. Yet I really like the idea of it. I mean, it looks fun. It's outdoors. It's in nature. And I remember even as a little kid, a scrawny, whiny little brat, curly-haired brat that I was, convincing my beautiful, long-haired, blonde sister Mandy and her matching long, blonde-haired friend take me in the back of Brett's beach buggy to Piha, which is a West Coast surfing beach outside of Auckland. And we went to watch the surfies. It was the 1970s. It was the best day out. And it's kind of funny when you think about it, we went to watch the surfies. So back then, surfing was a very male-dominated activity. But I had a big dream. I saw myself on the board, on the wave. So I've kind of held this belief over the years. And please note at this point that this is a belief. I have no concrete evidence up to now that this is a fact, but I have this belief that surfing connects you to nature like no other sporting activity. You know, because you're working with the forces, you're kind of creating this dance on the wave, and all the while you're keeping your balance on an ever-moving and changing surface that is controlled by this great force beyond your control. So that picture goes up on my vision board because I believe it will bring me happiness. Whenever I'm in the sea, I feel good, even if it's just boogie boarding, which I do do, you know, I feel elated, joyful, full of vitality in life. Earlier this year, I had a guest on the Flowerton podcast, Dwayne Heil, known as the Grateful Sailor. So Dwayne turned his back on a successful career. He was an engineer, a property developer, entrepreneur on the west coast of the States. And he left it behind to follow a childhood dream, to live on a yacht, to set sail across the ocean. And since that podcast, I, I just keep on thinking about the ocean. It's kind of like a mystical calling to me. I loved when Dwayne described one of his greatest joys each day was to dive down and swim through the same rock formation because each day the same fish were present and often swimming in pairs, going about their daily lives in their underwater garden, seeing them in their home environment day 
after day built a connection that he had not felt before. I mean, why would you want to wrench this living creature out of its home? Why would you want to destroy its home? So there's so much we don't see in nature. And we walk so carelessly over it. I remember him saying that he'd heard many times from other people that when you spend this much time in the water, you come back an environmentalist. And I also remember him saying how he connected to how fragile everything really is. So if you want to feel disconnected, cynical, immune to the devastating effects we have on nature, I reckon it's because you just aren't spending enough time there. And where else does disconnection show up? How we feel about other races, other religions, the other sex. It's a lack of understanding, empathy, appreciation of their world, and a lack of time spent in it and focus. So all of these things leave humans feeling remote, distant and resistant. In the orchard, when I really stop and I'm still and I listen and I look, I start to see this incredible world unfold. Bees and insects inhabit the environment and it's it's so easy not to notice them until I deliberately put my focus there. I'm always fascinated by any chance to follow the bees. <laughs> Their purposeful activity that they have going on and you know, back and forth to the hive, heading off to the flowers, off to the trees that might be in bloom, stopping for water, back again to the flowers, back to the hive. I'm in their environment just as much as they're in mine. So it's a pretty good thing to learn to coexist. And the mutual benefits are there. Anyway, I digress. So Dwayne loves sailing. And I'm not sure if he mentioned this on the podcast or when we caught up later, but he described sailing as his wife and surfing as his mistress. His true passion was surfing. So here's his boat in all its beauty and grace. And his boat's called Grateful, which I think is so cool. But that is the way to get to his surfing. So there I was, I was just really interested. Yet another person talking about surfing in this kind of devoted and passionate tone. So what does it hold? I'm a Kiwi and here in New Zealand people surf. We've got a lot of beach. We're got surrounded by ocean. And when Europeans arrived in New Zealand in the 19th century, they found the Maori were surfing. Whakahekeheke. Using boards, kōpapa, made from logs. They'd even fill bags full of kelp and use those to surf on. And then, of course, as with all of the Pacific, there were the canoes. So New Zealand surfing commercial building, surfboard building. I guess it started probably around the late 1950s. I think it was following a couple of visits from some US lifeguards in 1958, perhaps. Anyway, they stayed at Piha and demonstrated surfing on their Californian Malibu boards. So surfing equated to freedom, individualism, and you can really see why it fitted into the 1960s culture of the day. 
conducted then, New Zealand's like, and still now, has always been synonymous with team sports. So moving away from the big long boards that people were surfing on allowed a sense of freedom where boards could suddenly be put into a car. There was uh, a statistic I thought was kind of interesting. They're saying that around 1963, they reckon there were 300 surfers. That's so few. And by 1967, 15,000. So there I was four weeks ago. And my friend Nicole asked me if I wanted to take surfing lessons with her. Well, the stars aligned. And there was that dream, that picture that had been on that board every day for the last 20 years. It could become a reality. And all I needed to do was take that one small step. One small step towards something that I believed for all that time would bring me happiness. And yet I kind of denied myself discovering, or let alone even just investigating or experiencing that. So this was the time. The credit card came out. I booked online. It sort of just fascinates me that I haven't tried it before. I mean, there's loads of things in my life that I've thought, oh, I should try that and have a go. I mean, the podcast is a good example. Frankly, I didn't have a picture of a podcast up on my wall for 20 years. Though, funnily enough, I actually read an old journal the other day from the beginning of 2019 where I talked about my vision of flowerhood and I have actually written on it, do a podcast. So what holds us back? Do you have something in your life that you think will bring you happiness? And you say, yes, I'll start that up as soon as I have the time or the money or the physical fitness or the knowledge, the business. I'll start it when my home life's sorted or the kids have left home or the kids have arrived. A thousand reasons not to start something. Something that could bring joy. And isn't that what life's all about? And even if you end up hating it, at least you have the reward of saying, well, I was bold, I tried it. I don't live in regret. And now I know what doesn't make me happy, so I'm closer to finding what does. <laughs> now would be a good time to pop up a new picture on that vision board. But that wasn't the case for me. So three weeks ago, I had my first surf lesson with Loz, Lauren Ringer, owner of House of Surf. She's a prof former professional surfer and surf coach, and I was in good hands. So Loz grew up competing in Australia before taking to the world stage of the WQS. She travelled the world competing everywhere from Hawaii to South Africa, France to Huntington Beach. And I knew I was onto a good thing. <laughs> also, she just had this amazing ethos and just this heartfelt belief that it's important to encourage girls and women into the surfing world. So surfing for her is a medium to empower women in all areas of their life. Actually, thinking about it, I really need to get Loz onto this podcast, as it would be really interesting to hear about her connection with nature. Because for her, the sea is her garden. Note to myself, must do that. Anyway, back to me, me, me. Listen one at my women's only surf class. Well, it was fun. I laughed. I felt invigorated. I rode the waves, lying down. 
I paddled ferociously. (laughs) I attempted to stand up and for one brief moment, I was up. And it was the coolest thing ever. Totally unexpected on my first lesson. I thought standing up would come kind of at the end of the course, like lesson six or seven. (laughs) So nature gave me a wave and I went with it. And no one else on that beach had that experience that I had in that moment, in that place. A wave provided by nature, free of charge. No green fees or court fees or lift passes. It was free. (laughs) I was free. And the wave welcomed me with opened arms. And yes, a little later, the next wave, I face planted. (laughs) I drank a lot of seawater. But it was in that moment, that moment where I stood up and I had a taste, a taste of working with nature. So friends, take a look at your vision board. Or perhaps it's your lotto wish list. Or you write out goals for the next 5, 10, 15 years. And see what's on there that you could take one small step towards now, today, in the next half hour. I dare you to take action and see where that leads. Why prolong the happiness? And if that thing that you'd love to do has a connection with nature, well, you know I'll be there kicking your butt in that direction. Do it for your soul. Do it for your connection with the environment and a greater understanding of this beautiful world that we live in. My heartfelt thanks for listening all the way to the end of this Flowerhood podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Please subscribe to the show, like and review it on your favourite player. Be part of the greater Flowerhood community. Join the Flowerhood Facebook group and find show notes and information at flowerhood.com. I can't wait to share the next episode. Until then, hey, why not stop and smell the roses?